Welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-hosts, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. we got a special guest for you today, though. Uh, he is a coach at Archbishop Rummel. His name is Stuart Hanna, special friend of the pod. He's going to be joining us, giving his giving us his insight on uh, you know some LSU things, uh, recruiting in general, and just you know all things football. Uh, and of course, we have LSU's game against Ole Miss. They finished out the season on a great note, winning fifty three to forty eight against the Ole Rebs, reclaiming or claiming, I guess, again the. The, the Magnolia Bowl, uh, which would have been pretty much LSU's bowl game since they're not going into bowl season. Uh, and since that game, a lot of shakeup, uh, both with players and staff. Uh, we have that to get into, plus early signing day. I'm sure Daniel has got a lot for us to get into with that. Uh, plus, you know, the usual transfer and opt-outs. But before we uh, take on this, this Christmas meal, I want to check in with uh, the co-host and Seward and see how you guys are doing hey yeah doing good scott thanks uh, it was a kind of crazy week in the lsu sports from that like wild game against Ole miss to the early signing day like you said and then even just yesterday with coaches on the outs so now we're we're looking for some new faces around the program uh but doing well back home good to be coming to y'all remotely uh and enjoying this christmas season what about you tommy you know it's it's uh I feel like we really kind of ended this season on a, on some good notes. And uh, like you said, with the shakeups, it's, it's interesting. And there's going to be a lot of intrigue and, and new faces, like you said. So it's kind of something to look forward to. Um, despite uh, the postal service's best efforts, I guess, you know, it's been a, it's been a good week for me. I'm missing a lot of packages and they don't seem to have any good answers for me. Other than that though, uh, things are good. Stuart. <laughs> It's a pleasure uh, to have you on. Uh, good friend, you know, knew you from coaching at River Oaks where me and Dana went to high school. Now you made the big jump to Rummel, 5A LHSA high school football, state championship win- winning season last year. So what's going on with you? I mean, I would also like to add that we were ranked nationally. Last nationally year. ranked. We have yep. to get our shout outs where we can, but uh, <laughs> I definitely want to thank you guys for allowing me to be on. I've been a friend of the podcast and I have to say, I think y'all are very underrated in what y'all do. I think y'all do a fabulous job and in, um, in your podcast and some of the information that y'all put out. So great well, thank job. you. It was great to have you on. Um, and we, I mean, like, you know, like Daniel and Scott said earlier, a lot of interesting things are going on with, with coaching, with recruiting, uh, and then just on the field as well. And that's something that, you know, you, you see it from maybe from a different perspective, but, you know, you see the recruiting from the other side, you see the, the coaching maybe from, you know, different than the average person watching on the field. So it's, it'll be fun to get into it with you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, well, you want to dive into this old Miss game, Scott? Uh, we do, uh, no pun intended because of the, the, you know, the whole sharks reference with Ole Miss, uh, which is just silly. I hope that's kind of still gone. do that. <laughs> yeah. Got about yeah. that one. Well, during the game, you know, they had, uh, you know, these, these chirons of the, the players mascots for LSU, they had the tiger, but for Ole Miss, it was like a shark fin in water, just going back and forth. Uh, so they, I guess they still have this thing going on, but uh, it's funny you referenced it, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they obviously did not hold LSU, uh, you know, a team who's, pretty much offensively decimated uh you know more so as the season went on but uh they won 53 to 48 uh finished the season five and five which uh, i think that's as best if we could have asked for even like four or five weeks ago you know because we're looking at three and five so 
Um, it's kind of amazing that they were able to pull this together uh, against uh, a Florida, you know, knocked off their, their playoff chances, but just, you know, a, a game, I don't think many of us expected them to win, but I, uh, again, I say probably inside the locker room, they did uh, same with Ole Miss and I'm glad they did. So uh, not for lack of trying on Ole Miss's part though. And even with, I don't know. It's just it's it's just another one of those weird LSU games where it's like you have this quarterback that had so many turnovers, but they kept him in the game, and then LSU just allowed Ole Miss to go on like a 20, 23 to three run, and get back into it, only to shut him down again with another turnover. It's just <laughs> I don't know. It's it's you know what a year I guess is all I can say. But uh, I'm glad they finished off the year the way they did. Uh, they look good doing it. Uh, but, you know, it's now it's, um, you know, it's just like uh, shaking all the, you know, the fried seafood in one of those sieves. You're just going to see what's left after you do <laughs> just so much not returning, still so much up in the air. But, yeah, I'm glad they finished the season with this win. Yeah, I mean, I think that in, in most years, yeah, if this was if this was last, obviously, definitely last year, but if this was even a couple years ago, we'd probably kind of be mad about this win because it's <laughs> like we just couldn't step on their necks. We, that game should have been over pretty much in like the first quarter, second quarter after, you know, what Matt Corral's third interception. Right. But I, uh, but you know, given what we've, what we've seen all year, that's a, it's a huge, you know, a, a huge uh, improvement. I, I feel like, especially compared to the way that we just couldn't finish games against Missouri or against, uh, you know, what, who else? Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Yep. Uh, you know, even the, the Arkansas and the Florida ones were like super close. We won those by like missed field goals at the last second. Yeah. I mean, I guess Florida, I, I, I I'm going to give them a pass on that. You're playing the number six team in the country, but yeah, the Arkansas game as well. So I'm excited about, uh, I, I was excited about the win. It was a good win. Our defense played pretty well. Uh, obviously not well enough to keep Bo Pelini's job, but, <laughs> but I was happy to see, uh, you know, see a lot of, see, you saw a lot more play uh, plays made, by defensive guys who just not had, you know, it's like where they've been the whole year. Elias Ricks has had a good year the whole time, but where's Ollie Gay been? Where has BJ been? BJ Ujolari, you know, where even Damone Clark, who hasn't had a great year, he played okay. He had some good tackles. So um seems like they kind of put something together in the end. Yeah, it was a, a good performance for the Tigers. Definitely, like you said, a lot more stressful, I think, than it necessarily needed to be if you say that the opposing quarterback is going to throw five interceptions, you look at the box score and you're expecting like a 30 point win or something, not like a very last second, uh, pull it out of your hat type of situation like it was. Um, but that's what we ended up doing. It, it was a game kind of like how I play Madden where you just throw down the field every single play and you might end up with five picks, but you're going to throw like five touchdowns as well and just hope the other player does the same. <laughs> uh, but definitely made for some pretty entertaining football and like you mentioned, uh, the defense, it wasn't good enough to keep Bo Pliny's job. Ole Miss, obviously, is a good offense. They put 48 points up on us, and that's not traditionally what LSU football wants to do. But like we said, or what we haven't mentioned, Kayshawn Butte having an insane day, uh, oh, setting yeah. the SEC career record or single-game record in yardage with 308 to go with three touchdowns. That was crazy for a true freshman, uh, and I'm super excited to see what him and pretty much the entire rest of our team as true freshmen have in store for next year. Yeah, especially Max Johnson, who who again showed out, and you know it was uh, 
Like he he did well the the last game against Florida, which was remarkable. But you know, it's like how was he going to follow it up? And he did just as good, if not better. Uh, so I don't man, he's got a lot of momentum going into the off season, and I I don't know. I, I think it I think it puts him you know right there against Miles to see who comes out of uh, spring or, or, or summer or, or even fall. But uh, I don't know. I think my Max just. I don't know. He, I think he overachieved basically for, for what it was for the year it was, you know, for, you know, just what the offense has been left with after all the, uh, the opt-outs and everything. Um, but I, I don't know. I think um, LSU, they, you know, they just, they, they had the plays and just, it was just a breakout game for Keishon Butte. And I, I don't know, it was just maybe because no one was expecting it. Obviously Ole Miss wasn't, but, uh, I mean, they, they just had a day. I don't know if maybe LSU schemed this, if it just worked out that way, uh, because, you know, it just every, every every other LSU number one has opted out for whatever reason. So it's like it, it left the door open for them. You either step up and it works out or it doesn't, and it really worked out. LSU is looking pretty good going to next year. You know, it's like we have all these freshmen coming in, but, like, these are guys that already have experience for next year, uh, which I, I think is is something good to build on. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Let's go to you, uh, Tommy and or Stuart, like, uh, offensively, I, I think we, you know, you couldn't have really asked for much better. I mean, the running game, you know, there's still a little bit left to be there, but, uh, you know, LSU started another freshman there too. Uh, we didn't really see much of, of Chris Curry. Emery's had been out. So it's, it's like, even with, you know, almost an empty cupboard, they, they still did really well. Uh, I mean, they, LSU has talent, right? It's just, uh, you know, what they do with it. I, th- I think that you're never going to have a lack of talent, especially with, with in the like skill positions at LSU. Like we recruit so well, Louisiana is just, and you'll, Stuart, you'll know this. I don't know what it is, but we have a great crop of, of skill players pretty much every year in this state. And you see them, you know, when you, when you coach against them, like, what do you, what do you think about kind of LSU's feeling on that? So, you know, from what, I, from what I have seen, it seems like, you know, obviously, you know, the stigma for LSU for the longest time has been that Louisiana can't find a quarterback from Louisiana. And I'm not going to say that's not the case, but um, they definitely have, you know, receivers, running backs, and DBs, and typically defensive linemen. I find like another spot that maybe the state of Louisiana um, underdevelops maybe offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, I know that we lost one last year. I think it was Warren Easton, if I'm not mistaken had a center that went to Georgia. But uh, like I said, for the most part, you know, DDs, receivers, and then defensive linemen seems to be a hotbed for Louisiana. Um, yeah. You know, so. Uh, and we, we get a lot of good running backs from, from Louisiana Definitely. as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, like our, our two starting running backs are John Emery and, uh, and Ty Dave's Price, both right. LSU product or, you know, Louisiana products. And, you know, there it's like, I feel like this year, like we don't have a marquee back. We don't have a Leonard. We don't have a, you know, he who should not be named Darius yeah. guys, <laughs> but they're definitely, I mean, I think there are a lot of schools that would be glad to have either of them. You know, I, I think what Ty Davis price was unavailable for the last game. I think he's injured or something. And then Emory just didn't really see the field, but we had, we had, you know, decent production from, from all of these guys throughout the whole year. But for me, the thing that stuck out for offense, obviously Kayshawn Butte, Butte is the, 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 the talk, but um, I think our offensive line was the best the past two games, especially like the Florida game and this game, 
were, this was the first, the best they played all year. They actually gave Max Johnson a chance to survive. And that was kind of the reason. I, I mean, I think TJ probably played, he was on him. He played poorly against Auburn, but I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't stand in the pocket for anything longer than a second and a half. And uh, I mean, even the, the big interception that coach O got all over him about, you know, against Auburn, that was, uh, he, he, you know, was getting sacked as he threw it. So I feel like Max did have a little bit of an advantage, at, at, you know, in these, in these past two games where he started, where he played very well and he took very good advantage of what he had, but I think the offensive line gave him a lot more uh, shot. Yeah. And like you said, if you ask your true freshman quarterback to throw 51 times, that's a pretty tall task mm-hmm. uh, for anyone, but he came up pretty well there. Uh, his completion percentage itself wasn't amazing, but he managed the game. Like we said, uh, Keishon Butte helped him out. Butte ran that same route. I don't know if y'all saw it, that it was just like 10 yards down and in, he ran it from both sides of the field over and over and over and Ole Miss just could not defend it. And that helped him out so much, just having that safety blanket, and then Butte would take it for another 15 yards downfield at least. Uh, so that was just crazy to watch. Uh, and then with the running game being not so effective, having to lean on Max Johnson's arm and fulfilling that role is really a good promise for the future. But like you said, TJ Finley's definitely still got talent, and I know they'll continue to battle it out a little bit going forward. I think looking forward, the, the, the real question for me is when you – and we've talked about it before, but there's going to be a huge you know bottleneck in this quarterback room with Miles presumably coming back and wanting to, you know, unless he enters the transfer portal, which honestly, I don't know if I'd be surprised if he did, but uh, him wanting to come back, you got TJ, you got uh, Max, then you got Garrett Nussmeyer coming in and he's going to want to play at some point, you know, he's, he's, and then Walker Howard. And don't forget about Holstein from Zachary. I think he's another LSU uh, potential commit. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He's actually from the same school that Walker Howard was from. I think him and Walker Howard both at STM and uh, Holstein transferred out from STM and ended up at Zachary. In fact, his brother was a starting quarterback last year for STM. He was fabulous. Huh. He's at Tech now. He's fabulous. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, sure. like, there's, there's, so there's going to be a lot riding on, you know, the spring if we even have one. But, I mean, we should. Uh, but a lot, a lot of momentum going in, especially after, you know, with this final performance from our offense – a lot of momentum from wide receivers, from the quarterbacks. Uh, but I guess some questions that need to be answered as far as the the offensive line, who's going to come back and and what we're going to get in recruiting. Yeah, well, and also, and I think what ties into recruiting is who are we going to get as an offensive coordinator? Uh, because, I mean, it's, it's kind of jumping ahead a little bit based on, you know, because we haven't even gone through the whole Ole Miss game. But, you know, since we're talking about it, uh, you know, they're not going to have, you know, the same offensive scheme. You know, LSU's talking about uh, it's moving Steve Insminger from offensive coordinator to just like an analyst position. Uh, yeah, the passing game coordinator, Scott Linehan, uh, they're talking about parting ways with him. So it's like who, I mean, as, as a recruit, you know, Stewart, I mean, it, unless these guys had like a real strong bond with, you know, whoever recruited them or whoever was already in place. Like if these guys are gone, like, does that change much for, you know, the guys that are already looking at LSU or have committed, but maybe not yet signed or we're like, we're waiting to sign for like the actual signing day in, uh, you know, uh, in the January, February. I think that's a, a very interesting question. Uh, our head coach has actually kind of alluded to it. Um, 
you know, are you signing with a coach? Are you signing with a team? I do feel like these kids um, have a connection with some of these guys that are recruiting them. But I mean, if you look at the college landscape right now, nobody's job is necessarily safe for more than three to four years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a hotbed. I mean, if you're not successful in one or two years, they put you on the hot seat. And then if you are successful, then you're looking for the next job. Exactly. So are you signing with the guy that's recruiting you or you're signing with the OC, you sign with the receivers coach, are you signing to make a commitment to LSU or to, you know, Alabama or to Texas, whatever school it is that you decide to sign for. So um, I, I can't actually answer that question. I think that's maybe for a kid that uh, to have to answer, but I think that's a you know a really good question. Um, personally, I think that you sign with you know the school. Like you go, you know, I, I can reference Donovan Kaufman. He ended up signing with Vanderbilt. He had a lot of people that you know were hot on him right after the state championship game. He was fabulous in it, um, and he stuck with the Vanderbilt commit, which I absolutely respect. You know, the education was important to him. And he, you know, kind of wanted to jumpstart their program. And I think that he's going to stay there. So that's, you know, and he got like, a lot of big offers. He mm-hmm. was maybe passed over before, but he got a big, a couple of big offers after y'all won state and the, you know, things, things changed within, uh, like we always talked about last year, especially being a crazy year for recruiting where people who were committed, decommitted day of never signed their papers, signed here, signed there. And he stayed on, you know, even though he had, all what, what some might call bigger offers from from bigger schools than right Vanderbilt. right so you know from his recruiting standpoint i hope that i get myself in trouble here you know i know one of the first offers that um the guy that was at memphis took for a state job what was his name uh norvell norvell i want to say one of his first offers was the donovan coffin as soon as he took for a state job and hopefully I'm not throwing shade on LSU here but if I'm not mistaken your boy Aranda when he took the job at Baylor one of the first people he may have called was Kaufman as well. So, you know, that's, you know, neither here nor there. Well, theoretically, the uh, the guy who would have recruited Kaufman is now out of a job, Bill Bush. So, his because he was a safety. I got you, yes. Um, you know, I guess. But also, they say, I mean, you'll know Mickey Joseph. He's the he's Mr. New Orleans. He's that's, wonderful. So, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever had the opportunity to meet him, but he is he's quite the character and he's wonderful to be around. He's a wonderful uh, person. And I know it seems like Coy Moore has a, you know, very nice relationship with him. You know, I keep a little bit of contact with Coy and Coy seems to be very happy down there. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And and they've kind of tasked him with being the official new Orleans guy. Oh, he, he definitely is. He's from that area, played at Archbishop Shaw. His brother is Terry Joseph at Notre Dame. And then his other brother or cousin is Terry Joseph. And then his brother, I think um, was the one that was the head coach at Denver you know, for the Denver Broncos, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. Could be wrong. Um, but I think that I, I think that you bring up Stuart. You bring up a good point of like that's why from from LSU's perspective, you have to you have to make it. You have to make, that's what the difference between a team and a program, or you know, like or a a coach. You know, a very coach driven team and a an LSU or an Alabama. Alabama will probably be able to recruit very well when Nick Saban is gone. You know when he's dead and gone. So, tech, you know Notre Dame recruits well. Ohio State recruited is has not even fallen off since Urban Meyer left. Texas still gets good recruits and they're in the gutter. USC USC still gets good recruits and they're not any good or they're you know they're not the powerhouse. So that's why it's so important that and and it seems like we've kind of fallen off a little bit in that. But you know LSU has to be bigger than just Coach O or Les Miles. 
or whoever, and they have to be able to sell that to players. I think that uh, and a lot of people have been talking about this this you know recently. The problem with LSU is they've almost oversold the NF, NFL issue to where you get these guys who come in and they say, oh, I'm gone in two, two, two and a half years. You know, I'll, I'll stay for my junior season and then I'm gone. Whereas Alabama's been able to keep guys like Dylan Moses or Devontae Smith. Uh, I think well, um, that kind of answers your question that Scott had talking about maybe selling the program and not necessarily a coach, but if, you know, let's reference Mac Jones. I mean, you have two guys right now with Jalen Hurts, who's been really good in the last two years, Tua, who's starting in the NFL. <laughs> that guy sat behind both of those guys. And instead of transferring out, he waited his time and it has an opportunity to be the Heisman candidate. I mean, how many other programs can say that, you know, not to be ugly towards LSU, but those guys are going to potentially have three NFL quarterbacks on their roster at one time. When's the last time that LSU's even had anything remotely close to that, you know? So. Well, and, and, and it's, and it's not because of the lack, it's not because they can't recruit those guys. It's because the, the, the moment they, those guys get a draft grade, they're gone. They say, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. So that is something that probably needs to change. And that's something they need to start selling to high school kids. That's what they need to start telling, you know, your guy, your boys. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, uh, you know, kind of something O has made a point of doing is just re-recruiting the guys that are thinking about leaving, you know, mm-hmm. like Neil Farrell, who asked, asked via social media, <laughs> what do you think about one more year? Should I do it? Of course, everyone wants him to, uh, but it's, you know, that's what, um, you know, Braden Fajoko did. And, you know, he came back for a senior. It paid off for him. You know, he got a national championship and, a, uh, you know, a great experience out of it. But it's like for these these guys that, you know, it's not just the, the, the NFL LSU guys that know they can go to LSU and leave after junior season or not even leave after your sophomore season, you know, like Jamar Chase, uh, you know, I've, but that just worked out this year, but you know, you could leave and go to the NFL and it's a given, but you know, there's those guys that kind of rise up the ranks. Like he's saying, you know, Mac Jones was at Alabama for his you know entire career and now it's paying off for him. You know, I feel like if I, I was so hoping that would have been the case for miles Brennan, you know, but I mean, he still has this other year, but there's all these other guys, but I mean, that's one issue. You know, then the other issue is, you know, the, the running backs, like, it seems like not only is there a changing of the guards with the pro- the coaches, it's a changing of the guards with the, you know, just the offense in general. It's like, we have all these new quarterbacks. We're starting two different freshmen in one season. It's like, I don't remember the last time that has happened. And not only that, but look at the, the rushing, like Josh Williams was our leading rusher right after that Trey Bradford. Uh, the only, you know, uh, upperclassman you could say who really played at all was Chris Curry, but he had five rushes for eight yards. So it's, you know, he's, he's talked about, or he'd actually, he, he entered the transfer portal after he, you know, posted something about finishing strong. So oh, yeah, that's what I was, I was, I saw, I saw that today actually after the, you know, people were talking about, Oh yeah, Chris Curry's in the transfer portal. And they were digging up that tweet of him being like, <laughs> we got to finish strong and, and show what LSU is all about. But I guess, I mean, I don't know. Right. Good well, luck. He did, he did say he did say the three words. He said respect my decision. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. Oh, right. so that, that's the magic the magic phrase. If you if you put ma- respect my decision on anything, it makes the decision okay. That's that's kind of how it goes in, in Yeah. The, that's like saying uh all right, don't get mad at me, but <laughs> it's it's kind of the same effect. But, you know, it's just I uh, I feel like um 
and you know, maybe Stuart, you can talk to this. It's like you, you had, uh, you know, John Emery and Ty Davis price, even Chris Curry, you know, who has some more eligibility, but it's like, if these guys are transferring out, like, is that, I don't know. You think that's more of like, um, a, a culture thing or is it like a more of a writing on the wall? Because I, I thought he would have got a lot more carries this year, but instead the, you know, the younger guys did. And it, I don't know. I think that kind of leaves things open for the, the freshmen that are coming in. Cause they had a, a, you know, a couple of really good running back recruits, Armani Goodman off the top of my head. Uh, but it's, you know, so it's, do you, do you think these guys that had witted around that are now had already opted out or transferred or, or are looking to transfer? Do you, do you think there, there's just something like something that they know for themselves and that's why they want to go as opposed to just, you know, waiting to see how things settle after the season. So I actually, I'm conflicted on the transfer portal. I think it's got its, you know, pros and cons, but the transfer portal from what I've seen, you know, in recent years, like we're talking about with Chris Curry, um, it gives kids the opportunity, you maybe not to compete for a job, you know, as a high school football coach, I think one of the best things that you can do for your program is, is competition. I mean, you're going to get the best out of, you know, whoever gives you the best effort at practice, who has the, you know, the most success in games, you know, you try to tell kids that are cusp kids, Hey, it's not necessarily the, the quantity of reps that you get in practice or games, but it's the quality of reps. Like you have to be successful and, you know, in, in your playing time. And I think that the transfer reporter has kind of eliminated that, Hey, you know, I'm not getting my carries, you know, maybe I'm just going to transfer out. So, you know, I don't really know how to answer that question. There have been some, you know, uh, miracle stories, I guess, if you will, you know, oh, my, you know, my mom's sick, so I need to transfer out and need to be closer to home. I mean, obviously, you know, want that kid to be able to transfer, but um, yeah, I don't know that I'm a huge fan of this transfer portal, you know, uh, to me, it lends itself to less work ethic, you know, um, you know, I'm not getting the, the time that I need or that I deserve. Maybe the kid has not put in the work that he needs to put in. Cause I thought Chris Curry was fabulous in the Oklahoma game. Heck, I didn't even know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know. I didn't even know who he was. And they were talking about Edwards, you know, being sidelined for that game. I was like, dude, this is going to be a huge hit to LSU. I'm not sure that they'll be able to bounce back because I thought he was very pivotal in their offense and Curry stepped in and he was unbelievable. And then, you know, he got very limited carries this year. So I think somebody on LSU staff, you know, would be able to answer that better, but there's got to be a reason why he didn't get those carries. Well, it's crazy too, because supposedly Joe Burrow is the guy who lobbied. He, he said, I want Chris Curry. He said, there's a, there's a funny story and you can actually watch it. If you go back and watch the Florida game, I remember remember this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, John Emery goes in, he's the phenom. He's supposed to be the, the next big guy. This is before his LASIK surgery too. So maybe blame it on the eyesight. I don't know. He goes in there and he runs a, a screen play. They run a screen play. It's supposed to go to him and he gets Joe killed. He doesn't even know what he's doing. Joe Burrow says, get him off the effing field. And, J- and John Emery never returned <laughs> for the entire season. With, he, the only time he played was with Miles Brennan. And, and so Chris Curry was Joe's pick. And you know, that guy's not here. He's, and, and obviously Chris Curry kind of knows that too, because he's, he's taking, you know, he's going to take his talents elsewhere. I kind of feel like um, I, I would guess that it's it's the same issue that we might that we might see with and why I kind of think we might see Miles Brennan go go because you just look back and you say I've got I've got four other guys on my on my rear right now and if you're not I mean if 
I can see where Chris Curry would say, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, in college football for four years and I just want to play. Like, I don't really care. I just want to play. I don't want to, like, I, and, and maybe you're just not, you know, you're like, am I going to be able to beat this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy? Especially when, when you see the walk on Josh Williams getting the most carries. I didn't even know who that guy was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, no, nobody knew who it was. <laughs> and then uh, back to your point, Stuart, about like the guys kind of putting in the work and then slowly moving up for the ranks. You really do have to respect that when you do see it like work out well. Like Justin Jefferson's like a great example for LSU, like being a two star recruit. And then now he literally just made a Pro Bowl in his rookie season in the NFL. He'll probably uh, be offensive rookie of the year, right? I think a lot of yeah, people are that. You can say that like, well, they just didn't like scout him right. And he wasn't rated high enough or whatever, but um, like he definitely put in the work and then showed that he had what it took and the big coaches, they're going to put the best players on the field. So if you do what needs to be done, you're going to get some playing time. Like also like Slade Bolden at Alabama, Slade yeah. Bolden, a local recruit from Westminster high school. Uh, I think he was a three-star wide receiver recruit. Now he's like the number three receiving option for, what could be the national championship winning team at Alabama and Nick Saban, he's going to put the best player out there. So yeah. he kind of bided his time. And then now he's on the Saturday night spotlight every single weekend about to win a national championship. So you kind of do have to like give those guys some props. Well, you also got to realize most of these guys that come out of high school that are being recruited, to these top tier programs are going to be studs. I think that a lot of people, you know, maybe outside looking in that they lose sight of is, their knowledge of offense. Um, you know, obviously I'm going to be biased and I'm going to tout our running back Logan Diggs. Oh yeah. Everybody talks about how, you know, good he is, how athletic he is. He's, he's a tremendous back. I think he's a three down back, but you know, I actually coached running backs for about three weeks before I moved back to the defensive side. And one thing that I can tell you about that young man is his ability to pick up and pass pro, not only just to pick up and be able to block, but he can, actually um you know uh he can decipher defenses and where the blitz is coming from he actually he checks our he did check our pass pro our quarterback didn't have to worry about it i mean he was he was brilliant he was a student of the game and i think you know you're talking about freshmen coming in trying to get playing time immediately if they're able to do that especially with today's offenses with you know how multiple they are and how much they throw a guy that can not only catch a ball in space and make people miss, but to step up and, you know, be effective in the pass game is huge and critical And that. You know, maybe that's something to kind of look at uh, as far as some why these guys might not be playing. Well, definitely. I mean, I, I, they've, they've said that, you know, like that was one of the issues with both freshmen last year, Davis price and Emory. And that was something that Clyde could, you know, did like no other. He was a, and, and especially for his, you know, his uh, modest, his modest physical uh, aspects, he he didn't care. Well, there's nothing modest about him. Oh no, uh, he beat Rumble in 2015 in the state championship game, and I've watched that film numerous times. There is nothing modest about his <laughs> physical stature. I don't care about his height, but that is that's grown man stuff, right there. Oh yeah, that, that, that kid was unbelievable. So I, I wanted to touch a little bit on the uh, you know the defensive side of it too, because uh, you know you saw some good things and some you know some of the same old hangups that that that, that seem to plague LSU all season. Um, and you know, some of these guys are, you know, we don't know who's going to stay or go like, I, you know, would, would Stingley opt out next year? Just, just because, um, I, I feel like that might depend. I think on that's, how. that's a fear I have. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you said. Uh, I, I feel like, well, I don't know. We'll see how Jamar Chase does in the draft. Cause he opted out this year. I feel it's a little bit different situation though. I feel like Stingley should play right though. It's like, why would you want someone that just set out for a year? Um, just not, not that he would get rusty, 
but just you know just the the intensity level the the competition because that's something that kind of just took a dip this year you seem to care less and less uh, maybe that's just me it's just that's just kind of what I observed I guess but you know it's not him it's uh not just him it's Jabril Cox you know Neil Farrell would he stay or go I feel like if O could keep all those three uh they'd have a good base of a defense but then you're talking about the same issue with the offense where you know the defensive coordinator is gone the defensive line coach is going to be well he's not he's not going to be gone he's going to be transferring he's one of the ones transferring to a analyst position uh but billy bush safety's coach gone uh i'm glad they're retaining Corey raymond he's probably the, he's probably the only guy on the lsu defense that's, that's safe in his position as like the chairman of dbu uh i don't think he's going to go anywhere for that reason but I, I don't know maybe i don't know maybe he should get a nod and you know look over the whole defense but i i think he's pretty comfortable where he is but you know it's, i think it's the same situation with all these players you know, if they want to stay or go or the guys coming in that are still looking to sign with LSU, like, you know, who are you going to bring in? Because they switched from Aranda to Pelini with his three, four. So, uh, you know, that changed things up. That's why one of our guys is, uh, you know, Apuiga. That's why he transferred out. So it's a different system. And Marcel Brooks is a TCU horse frog now. Yeah. So it's like, what do you do with that? Um, I, 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 I can't say I disagree with everything because at this point, you know, if LSU is going to clean house, might as well just clean house, right? Just start over from scratch. Um, I mean, I, it's like I, I think at this point you you either have to trust Coach O to bring in the right people, which he kind of did, you know, last year and it paid off. But you know, he's, he's starting from scratch, so it's like, do you do you trust him to re- bring in everybody to rebuild the whole team, basically? Because he's not gonna he's not gonna be a save and have this team defensively sound, and he's not gonna be like, uh, you know. <laughs> Um, Ryan Day and have his team offensively sound either. Um, so it's, I, I figure, it, how much of it depends, do you think, on who he brings in? Or is it just, you know, LSU is just going to have the talent and, uh, you know, they're either going to do really well or they're just going to be mediocre as a team, but still send guys to the NFL, you know? It's hard for me to say this, but I, I almost feel like we might be in for a few more growing pains because. I, I would probably, if I had to, if I was a betting man, which I guess I kind of am, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I would, I think we're probably going to move back to a three, four. That's like the, the scheme that's in vogue right now. And it fits better with the, uh, with the, the way that offenses are going. And you can speak more to this because you're a three, four yeah, guy. I'm over here shaking my head. Um, yes. I, I know a lot of people didn't necessarily care for Aranda, but you know, when I moved to Rumble, uh, we were, we're an odd front team. And to me, uh, with the way offenses are, and we keep saying that, I, I just think that's the way that you have to go. You got to put more DBs on the field. You know, with the way LSU is able to recruit, I feel like you have to find those hybrid safety linebacker type guys that are tall, long, you know, may can still play in the box, but can, you know, still be athletic in space. A guy like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, one of our guys. Um, I was a huge fan of Aranda, and I told Tommy earlier, you know, everybody kind of hated on last year. They gave a bunch of points, but if you look at it, they had a lot of injuries. And then if you look at the back half of their stretch, they were awesome versus AM. I thought they were awesome versus Oklahoma, and, you know, minus a couple of plays versus Clemson. I thought they did a fabulous job because Clemson was very good and explosive on offense. So to me, I think the odd front is, is the way to go. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a professional. Um, so no, you are a professional. No. <laughs> you make your living doing this. <laughs> I, I just think that that's the way that you have to go with the way that the offenses are nowadays. And, 
you know, I actually watched the video earlier. I tried to do a lot of study and I saw a video a guy was talking about, you know, we used to talk about defense wins championships, but nowadays it's almost as if the defense almost just has to be good enough. You have to get, you know, just enough. Just make a few stops. Yeah. With the way offenses are nowadays, they're putting your defense out there. So, you know, contrary to belief, whether Pliny was good or bad, you know, I thought there were some really bad games. You have to look at the way LSU's offense is geared. They're putting their defense out there more. They're being they're more susceptible to you know more plays. They're they're out there for eighty to ninety plus plays. So obviously they're going to give up more yards. Um, so if you look at the sample size of some of the things that they've done, yes, I think it was a bad year defensively. But at the same time, if we're you know we're looking at stats, go back and look ten years ago, defenses aren't on the field for eighty to ninety plus snaps, and you know that has a lot to do with why you're giving up more points and big plays and, and you know and such. So in the type of personnel that you're going to have on a three four versus a four three, just but just by the way it, the way it's set up, you're going to have more. And I'll, everybody's athletic. Everybody on a Division One team is athletic. They're all freak athletes. Well, especially LSU, you're going to have you can get those types of guys. Yeah, but but I feel like the like the the bigger guys, you're going to need more bigger guys to run a four three effectively. Like you look at some of the great four three teams, like the ones that like Ray Lewis played on with the massive uh, D lineman that he that he had in front of him. They're going to be they're going to have a harder time playing 80, 90 plays, right? But if you're going to have if you've got a lot more DBs on the field, they're they're going to be able to to endure that a little bit more. Just because you're not taking as many, you're not just bashing into each other every. So two two schools I would like to reference: uh, Ohio State, I believe, is still technically a four three structure. They play a lot of cover one, so that's a lot of man with one high safety, and they've been very successful in the Big Ten. Whether it's type of guys they see or the type of offenses they see, and then you turn around, you go to Big Twelve, who flicks it around and can score points whenever the heck they want. You know, Ohio State. Um, has basically in, in installed this three high safety structure that's, you know, it's becoming, um, as you had said, Vogue. It's, um, wait, it's, this is, this is who? Iowa, oh, State. Iowa State. Excuse me, Iowa State. Um, it's, it's kind of like the RPO was a, a few years ago. This was like the new cute thing, and they've been very successful in the Big 12 with it. And it's actually, a, you know, a few of their philosophies that we use with the kid I was telling you about earlier, we were really successful with. It's a different look. Um, it gives you a different type of box count. It gives you a different type of run pitch, and you're able to play multiple coverages off of it, and it confuses offenses. But then again, you have to, you know, you have to play more DB type guys in that. And again, you have to have special types of players. Like I don't know, they can they can do, do both. It. Yeah, I mean, the guy that we played there, he could play linebacker, he played safety, and he was able to cover. I mean, you're not going to have those guys on every single high school or maybe even every college team. So that three high structure, write it down. I'm telling you, it's something you're going to hear about here in the future. And that's something that you could totally see, like, um, and that's kind of, I mean, I kind of, didn't um, Clemson kind of do something like that with, uh, what was the, the number 11, the guy who could do anything? Uh, the 6'4", 200-pound. Uh, Isaiah DD Simmons? Yeah, yeah, Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah Simmons. Simmons. Yeah. I mean, he would he would drop, he'd play middle linebacker and then drop back into deep coverage. That dude's a freak, though. I mean, you're not going to have those guys. Yeah. That guy was like a, what, a 4'4 four, four or 4'3 four, in the combine. He was 200 and plus pounds and he was six four like they you just, know he started as a quarterback they, they, don't, they don't make those types of guys you know not everybody has those guys <laughs> no, no, definitely yeah. not. and then I, i'm not as much of the the x and those guys as y'all but i wanted to mention a couple of the names that kind of been like getting thrown around for the lsu dc position and see if anybody had any comments uh, one of them was like jim leonard wisconsin's defensive coordinator who i think was in the discussion before they hired Polini. And I think that they're pretty solid most years. Some people are saying we might go for Will Muschamp uh, after, his, after his ouster from South Carolina, as well as uh, 
I think Derek Raymond was Vanderbilt's head coach who just got fired. Derek Mason. Mason. Or Mason. Mason. Yeah, I don't know why yeah. I said Raymond. Thank you. Um, and then I, I heard some rumors about uh, Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. They've been mm-hmm. like pretty much locked down, um, which I don't really know too much what they run, but yeah, obviously they're having a great year uh, going to New Year's Six Bowl. They got kind of got snubbed from the playoff. One of the shames you know, of being Cincinnati, like you had mentioned, I actually haven't written down here if we were talking about the final four, whether they're deserving or not. Um, but, you know, we don't really have the opportunity to watch these guys play, you know, that often. I mean, Cincinnati, like, hey, I'm not turning on Saturday night to watch Cincinnati <laughs> over LSU, Alabama. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if this guy's as good as everybody says he is, you know, I want to see this, guy, you know, I want to see their film. And I, I have not seen one single game Cincinnati's played this year so I have I don't even know who this guy is to be honest with you I think I, I think I watched them play what whatever their big game was like when they when game day hyped them up I think I watched them randomly I can't tell you anything about the yeah I can't I can't tell you oh I remember this happened mm-hmm. or that happened I just remember it was on and you know and I saw oh look it's Cincinnati and there's Luke Fickle and da 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 um but yeah I didn't I didn't know anything about him other than when the rumors started surfacing that he might be the guy uh they're talking about um, promoting Corey Raymond. Do you have any thoughts on that? I was actually going to ask you guys about it. I know he's been a fabulous defensive back coach for LSU. Um, and from my understanding, it sounds like he has never really been interested in that. I mean, you would think that that guy who's, you know, spit out the fabulous first round defensive back graphics that he has, that maybe he would take his talents elsewhere. Or is he a type of guy uh, like our boy from Clemson who just refuses to leave? Venables? Venables. Who I think. just interviewed with Auburn. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say that he's underrated mm-hmm. as a, as a coach, but I mean, dude, he has, he has definitely kept, you know, them relevant for as long as uh, they've been there. I mean, he's awesome. I think he's awesome. I, 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 I yeah, I think he's great too. I think he's, you know, developed a lot of stuff. I think that I don't I don't know if I'm if I have any predictions on who it's going to be, but I think that I think that we're about to see Scott Woodward's LSU football. I don't think we're going to see Coach O's. I think that when you think about the timeline of how how the LSU football program has developed, like since Woodward has been brought in, Coach O was a holdover. He can't. He was there. You know, he was hired by uh, the guy who what, what Aliba. He was hired by Aliba. And you know, made the from interim to head coach. And when Woodward got in there, uh, you know, that 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 was the head coach. And they and he kept him there. Then they ended up winning a national championship, what, you know, eight months after he uh eight months after Woodward takes the job. And so you can't really impose your will on a guy when you're the when you are Scott Woodward are the new guy. You can't really go in there and say, Okay, well, I'm gonna hire this person, I'm gonna hire this person. And I and a lot of people have said that that. Coach O got he got to hire whoever he wanted. He picked he handpicked Pellini, he handpicked Linehan. You know he did bring in Brady as well. But yeah, don't forget about uh, Aran- not Aranda, uh, Canada, <laughs> Canada. Yeah, uh, which that didn't work out. Um, so I think that I think that we're about to see. You know, I, of course, Coach O is going to get his input, and if he's going to he's going to say, "Oh, I like this guy. I don't like this guy." But I think Woodward will make the decision. Whereas I, it's been pretty documented because Coach O said it on every show he's been to. He's like, I called, uh, I called my mentor Pete Carroll and asked who should I hire for defensive coordinator. And Pete Carroll said, "There's only one man. It has to be Pelini." <laughs> <laughs> so I think that Woodward will say, "Yeah, you can talk to Pete Carroll all you want, but I'm going to hire who I want." Um, and I that might come internally. I 
I'm going to guess it's not going to. I think I think we're probably going to go with somebody new, young, you know, out kind of a, a, a maybe a sexy pick. I don't think it'll be Will Muschamp. I would be surprised. It it might make sense. Coach O likes he likes for having former head coaches as his as his assistants. Um, the scary with thing the, with with Will Muschamp is like you end up in the exact same situation as Bo Pelini, Pelini kind of. Yeah. Whereas like. He's just running the outdated scheme and then he can't keep up and then he's gone after a year and then you're right back where you are now. Well, not only that, but it's like you're bringing in some previous LSU defensive coordinator uh, for the exact same position. And even if he comes back for a year and does well, it's like, is he going to jump after that to go back to a head coaching position? I don't know. I think you got to look for some guy that's, you know, looking to be okay somewhere for like two to three years. Uh, They talked about Jim Leonard Actually, when they were before they settled on Aranda, I think I I wouldn't be totally against Muschamp, although I I don't think that's probably uh, the best thing. I mean, if you can get somebody else in there, some fresh blood. I mean, I I think they just need to start new. It seems like they want to start new all over. Mm -hmm. So you might as well just start from the bottom up. If it's just going to be O and I guess Innsminger is an analyst. uh, I mean, definitely Corey Raymond, but um. Uh, get some get some new lifeblood in there. You know, I mean, I, it's going to be really interesting to see who they pick for offensive and defensive coordinator because that's going to it's going to kind of set the tone. I, I'd love to see what Scott Woodward thinks, but you know, it's like, yeah, I think I, I guess I trust O to find Coach O to find uh, the right guys for those positions and just let them do their thing. You know, he's not going to be some micromanager. I think that's one thing he did learn from either Pete Carroll or, or John Robinson is to just hire the right guys and let them do their thing. And he did that with Brady and it worked out great. So I, I don't know, I guess at this point I just have to kind of trust coach O. Um, but it, uh, I mean, LSU didn't have a, a bowl game. So, you know, they pretty much the, the, the Ole Miss game was their bowl game, which they won. Uh, but now it's like, I feel like they can focus even more on you know what recruiting there is left to do and just start recruiting for the next year you know i mean early early signing day uh by all accounts was a really big success Uh, i mean i was going to toss it to you daniel but i just wanted to say it's like it for the guys that they got i mean they lost some to alabama and you know as usual but they also got some which they also probably uh, you know they 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 lost some to a flip and they got a couple from a flip so it's really good and they got areas where they wanted uh, you know, running back and, and defensive line. Oh, still trying to shore up that defensive line. Uh, you know, it's, and I'm, I feel like they're always trying to uh, replace in the defensive back because, you know, we lose those guys to the, to the draft every single year. But um, having said that, uh, I want to toss it to you, Daniel, because there's a lot to go over with the early signing day. So I'm just going to let you take the reins and run with it. So um yeah, give us uh, give us everything you got on uh, on early signing day. Yeah, I'll kind of just go over the highlights here, and then uh, Tommy and Stewart, I know, will have some some comments on it. Uh, but yeah, we had twenty uh, signees put pen to paper and lock it in with LSU, and so we had a few come in and a few leave, unfortunately. So the people that departed, uh, JoJo Earl, wide receiver, and as well as uh, Keanu Coat. And they both ended up at the, the nemesis at Alabama. So Nick Saban swiped those two away. But we did get the, the big prize that we were hoping for. Uh, Mason Smith, number one D-tackle in the country out of Homa, uh, came to LSU amid rumors. He was potentially going elsewhere, so I'm glad he stayed home. Uh, and then we got a few others a little bit unexpected. We got uh, Armani Goodwin, who flipped from Auburn. We had talked about him on the last podcast, and that's kind of 
what we were talking about earlier, whether you sign with a, a coach or a program as Gus Malzahn is, is now gone. And then uh, we picked up a Malik Neighbors, a local wide receiver who was formerly committed to Mississippi State, and uh, Demarius McGee, uh, DB, who was, I think, un- previously uncommitted uh, corner. So uh, they pretty much filled out the rest of the class. Everyone else signed. Uh, but it was an exciting day. I think, on the whole, uh, a good day for LSU. Uh, Mason Smith was one we absolutely had to have, and we did that. And so now we look to uh, National Signing Day coming up with the biggest hole being offensive line. And just like a couple hours ago, Garrett Nussmeyer actually started the hashtag Lee to LSU trend yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, on Twitter. And so him and then a couple other people have been tweeting that Tristan Lee, five-star offensive lineman uh, to come to LSU. He's supposed to announce on January 2nd. So maybe before our next podcast, um, depending on the time. But yeah, so if we can get him, then the class will be awesome. And other than that, pretty happy with the day. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good day. It was I, I still I still think that that you're right, Daniel, that hole with offensive line really scares me because and, and maybe Stuart, you'll know this just because, you know, you, you work with these guys every single day. But to me, it seems like since the early signing days become a thing, that's really that's Christmas. Like that's when you, every, when you have to lock up your class. And then the guys who are the really, really, really big time recruits, they like to drag it out, you know, have the uh, <laughs> They like to have the 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 courtship, the hat day, the hat, yeah, and they put on the hat. Right. But you know, like you build you build your class on on December fifteenth or whatever, and you know now I, I mean, we're not going for scraps or whatever. Like that's that's not I don't want to say that that's not the right thing to say. But a lot of people are committed. You know, it's like if you don't get them early, they're going to go other places. If you don't show interest early, and that's something that I know I've heard from a lot of people. I've talked to you about it. You know. Sometimes LSU's late on people and, and they yeah. miss out because of it. And so I, I, you know, everybody says right now we've got like the what the fourth fourth best class in the country or third best class in the country, depending on what you know website you look at. But it does seem to me, and I've thought I've been thinking about this for a while now. We like we're really good at getting the guys who are good on paper. We're really good at the getting the guys who are consensus four star, three star, wide receiver, quarterback, whatever. But where is where is Alex Leatherwood? Like where is our guy? You know what I mean? Where is our like the like that you know the stud from Alabama that the tackle yeah, who played tackle. four years? He's so good, and we I, I can't tell you know like well, our guys were supposed to be Cardell Thomas and uh and, and Rosenthal. Uh, yeah, Dare Rosenthal. Or just and, just like this year, we were trying to get uh, Tommy Brockermeyer, who's yeah. like one of the top offensive tackles in the country from Texas, and then he, he ended up at Alabama as well. They've got like three five-star offensive linemen this year, so they're not going anywhere. And like, where, where, yeah, where do we, where are those guys? And you know, I think that it's really easy for us to to say like, oh, we have a we have an incredible class. We, they have all these four stars and five stars, and we got the, but you know, is that or what? if we can't, if we don't even have the time to throw the ball to him, like, what does it matter? Um, like I had said earlier, um, from what I've seen, you know, the last, you know, maybe decade, it does not seem that the state of Louisiana as a whole develops these offensive linemen, like I would say maybe Texas, really, I guess, and maybe California, you know, you look at California, they always have a quarterback, Texas always has quarterbacks, Ohio, I feel like always has some type of offensive lineman. You know, not that the Rosenthal kid or the Cordell Thomas kid's not good. Maybe they're just not quite as developed yet. Yeah, it might be taking time. But yeah, I, I told you we lost the kid last year from Warren East in the Georgia. Um, Van, is that Van Pran? That's exactly yeah. what it was. But I, I mean, 
I could tell you virtually every single, you know, really good athlete in the New Orleans area that's signing with whomever, but I can't think of a single one that's an offensive lineman. I mean, know? the biggest one years ago, you'll remember because we were here, Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson. And he was he and was that's been what six years, maybe? Yeah. yeah. And he was supposed to be an LSU guy. I know Catholic Baton Rouge, you know, we played them a couple oh, of weeks ago. You told me about Jeez. that. He's, he's a legit. giant. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty good. So hopefully well, he sticks. And then Neville's Neville's guy. That's right. We're, we're, what, Will Campbell, I can yeah. I can throw a rock at Neville Stadium right now. And uh there Will Campbell. Is that his name? I think that's his name. Um, you know, he's supposed to be the real deal. And we did get we got Garrett Dellinger in the class. So and he's a is he a four star Daniel? Yeah, four star. I think he's like the number ten ish like tackle in the country. Uh, but he's the only uh, offensive lineman in the whole he's the only one in the number entire 20 class. That we got. like I, I mean i don't know it's just we're gonna have a one-man line he's just gonna snap <laughs> it and start blocking we're gonna we're gonna need a bunch of why don't can we just i guess we'll just start converting wide receivers to to offensive line that'll work right well, i mean if you look at the big 10 <laughs> iowa's always traditionally really strong up front wisconsin obviously ohio state's been pretty strong up front mm-hmm. you know whatever for whatever reason that midwestern you know region always breeds these types of guys and not that you know louisiana doesn't have those guys but Louisiana's not notorious for that. They're going to go get, like you said, running backs, DBs, and receivers. And also, running backs. and it also it shows with, uh, and and maybe, uh, yeah, maybe this is maybe this will be my my thoughts on offensive coordinator. Now doubling back, maybe we need to go get a guy who has ties to that Midwest region, because we the the the, the thing that Coach O has been able to bring to LSU that we hadn't had for years. Coach O opened the West Coast. We pull, we, I mean, Elias Ricks, he, you know, huge pickup for us from California. Who would have mm-hmm. thought we would have gotten the number one player from, out of California? Oh, and then we're, the other big news that I forgot to mention was Rajon Davis, a four-star linebacker, mm-hmm. former five-star, decommitted from LSU, and yeah, now it looks like he's turning towards USC or maybe Arizona State. So that's kind of a big loss for the Tigers. It is a big loss, and but we're still in play for him, and we're still in play for, uh, for Corey Foreman. And I mean, I, I think that five years ago, we probably wouldn't have even thought we were in play for these random guys from California. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's, maybe we need to open up the Midwest and that's, you know, that's where the town, ta- if that's where the talent is for offensive line, because Lord knows we need it. Well, not only that, but uh, the quarterback, but it was something Coach O said also that uh, made, that kind of, you know, just made me, you know, piqued my interest. And I just, I want to get you guys thoughts on it. He said something about, uh, you know, look out for the, you know, the, you know, the main signing day too, I guess. Something about, you know, like some silent commits. Yeah, he said something. I don't know if there's like three or four guys. So and uh, hopefully Stuart can shed some light on this, you know, as much as he's allowed to, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like, what what is this whole silent commit thing? Because to me, that's like, uh, you know, you're dating somebody and, you're you're digging them and they're digging you and like do you want to make it official no i I like things where they are i don't want to make it (laughs) official just yet so it's like what what is this whole solid commit thing and like can you can can a coach like coach o really rely on that like how how much does this happen and like how how solid is the silent commit um i guess it depends on the kid not to get too much into it but i think that those kids are pretty much a lock um, for those uh, silent commits. Um, I think the silent, or sorry, excuse me, the early signing period is, is really beneficial for the colleges 
because it puts a little bit of pressure on those kids. Like, hey, look, you know, we're going to sign this this amount of kids, and we only have this amount of scholarships left. So if you don't sign this day, you know, we're going to open it up to somebody else, yeah. so that at least you know doesn't necessarily leave your college uh, vulnerable. And I think it actually gives the uh, the kids an opportunity to maybe look elsewhere. But um, <laughs> uh, yes, I, I think that for the most part, that those are, are going to be a lock. Um, those kids have probably already committed. They just, it's not, uh, it's not known. Well, the other, the other thing, and, and you told me this story, I think I can, I can tell this because it's, it's over now. Um, Who's it about? It's about five. From um, last year? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> from, I, I place for LSU now. Oh, Coy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, it, Coy, so Coy Moore, he was a silent commit, but the reason was he wanted to sign with his buddies. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, they had the sign and the yeah. Yes. And he wanted to he wanted to do the cere- So I mean, the you, ceremony, the ceremonial thing. But and if you remember last year, they released it. They released it. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. was the worst thing. Exactly. They they, uh, they you know Coy, you texted me. We were talking about it. You're like, oh yeah, Coy, he's he want, he's going to LSU. He just wants to be a part of the right. Because yeah, I was at liberty to discuss that because they had already uh, released that via Twitter. So it wasn't then, like it was a surprise. <laughs> and then yeah. they released it on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, it was so funny. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe some of these guys are saying, oh, well, coach, like, yeah, I'm committed, but my best friend is also, he's, he's still deciding and we want to do the, we want to sit at the table and put the hat on together. So I'm not going to blame the kids for this. I think this is just, um, you know, a product of the social media uh, that, you know, I'm not going to say it's a look at me thing. It's just kind of the way the social media is nowadays. So if they have this opportunity to say, hey, you know, most of the nation, if I'm a top 10, top 100 ESPN recruit, like I'm going to wait till the absolute last day so everybody can see, you know, I'm going to pick up this hat and keep it sneaky and, you know, put my hat on. Everybody's like, oh, yay. But I, I would be willing to bet. Brand. I would be willing to bet that the majority of these coaches already know whether they're committed or not. And most of them have actually signed. You just don't know that. <laughs> yeah. the, now, the other thing, and, and Daniel, I know you said uh, that uh, – Rajon Davis decommitted, and but we're kind of still on the hunt for him. We're still on the hunt for for Corey Foreman. The interesting thing is that we haven't, at least, I haven't heard any rumors about us picking up any any other kind of D end, you know, or or you know, oh, his guy's moving towards LSU. He's warming up towards LSU, and to me, that tells me we're still on the hunt for for Foreman. Yeah, and because because say, on the flip side. I'm- Go ahead. Sorry. Well, on the flip side, we, we did pick up a, we picked up an outside linebacker that we weren't expecting. And that presumably kind of filled uh, Rajon Davis's spot or not filled his spot, but kind of protected us. I thought. Yeah. um, And then we got defensive end Bryce Langston out of Florida. It was between us and, and university of Florida for him, four star D end. Uh, So that may have had some influence with it, but like you said, uh, Corey Foreman and Tristan Lee both expected, as far as I know, to be announcing their commitment on January 2nd. And both have supposedly already signed. I don't know if y'all saw this, but uh, Corey Foreman's commitment was supposedly leaked by, I think by it Max was, Preps. Yeah, by Max Preps on Twitter. They posted a graphic of like the last 10 number one overall prospects and what school they committed to. And then next to Corey Foreman, they showed USC's logo. And then they deleted the tweet after like 30 seconds. And they said it was an error and it was incorrect and whatever. But you're like, whoops, uh, whichever intern did that, uh, probably got a strong talking to. Yeah, I know. Probably got fired. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, there's, there's also, you know, the whole thing of, Guy like uh, you know, Stuart was talking about guys that have already committed, or well, not necessarily a silent commit, but you know, guys that they've have signed. 
Right. They, they already, it's already obvious that they're part of the team, but they're still trying to recruit afterwards, you know? And, uh, you know, Cardell Thomas was really big on that, really good at it. Uh, but, you know, going back to, you know, LSU's needs on the O-line and trying to get a five-star guy. Uh, Garrett Newsmeyer and Mason Smith were, like, trying to get this guy, Tristan Lee, out of Virginia to come. Uh, so it's it's very interesting to see – you know, these guys that are committed and they're like trying to build their own class, which, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta love. So it's just uh, like, I don't know. Is it, um, will, will that have like, if it's something they don't know, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm, I want to go here. It looks like you're looking to go here. Come join us here. Or do they, do they have some relationships through, through camping or, or something like that? Because I don't know what the relationship between Garrett Newsmeyer and Tristan Lee would be, but you know, like if they can recruit them, great. Um, and you love to see that effort. I just didn't know what the, uh, like how likely it is. So um, I, I can actually tell you that I think COVID is kind of an anomaly for this year. And I think they, uh, what is it they did? They actually killed the period to where they could actually recruit these kids and take their visits. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that's affected some people's recruitment process. Uh, I can personally tell you for one of our individuals, you know, he wasn't allowed to take his official visits. And, you know, with the early signing period being in December, he was not allotted those times to go visit. And, you know, I think that has a, a massive impact on some of these young men. If they're not allowed to get on campus, be around the coaches, be around the kids, the type of culture, I think that that could absolutely change people's, you know, perception of where they want to go. So and and I think it's, COVID's it, been, you've seen it play out as well. There have been, there were more, more players to commit. They, they commit early. Than, than ever before everybody started committing yep. like hard commits and some of the top players that usually wait and you know yeah you take your official you go here you go there oh i like this now i'm gonna let's take a look here they all started committing like in june yeah so i think COVID is definitely throwing a kink in things you know yeah uh, but you must i'm oh, sorry man go ahead well you know um tommy was kind of asking me about koi i know last year everybody was uh, a little bit bent out of shape koi took his official visit to virginia and everybody's like, dude, what's going on? What's going on? And, you know, he obviously ended up signing with the Tigers, but maybe the young man just wanted to go and, you know, visit Virginia and see what it's about, you know, yeah. and, and COVID has not allowed some of these young men to be able to do that. And I think that that's a shame, you know, that some of these kids have never even left the area. Hell, some of them never even been on an airplane, much less visit these, these different states. So I, I think it's a travesty for their recruitment process. And, you know, maybe LSU picks up some of these kids, maybe LSU had lost some of these kids, but I think that, you know, like I said, COVID has kind of been, you know, a catch-22. It know. might it might help you retain some people mm -hmm. who are who are Louisiana, you know, and they, 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 don't, they don't get the opportunity to go see what Alabama even is like, but then it hurts you because you can't pull in these out-of-state guys and really show, you know, show them what you have going yeah. on here because I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how charismatic O is. The Zoom call is not going to do it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, it's totally different. You can't wrestle somebody on a Zoom call. Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, Franco has been known to you can't do. Take off your shirt and wrestle exactly. somebody. <laughs> uh, but uh, I did see uh, an interesting uh, 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 recruiting uh, segment about uh, Kevin Falk. You know, because he took over as the uh, you know the running backs coach. But since he did, you know, he hasn't been able to do any in person recruiting. But you know, look at the guys. He still was able to bring in. So it's got to be that much harder, but I don't know, you know, these guys, I think they're probably selling you like, look, we got, we got four running backs, but you know, uh, you know, there's still, there's still plenty of room for you here. However it works out, but it's just interesting that he, he's 
since he's been on the job, he's not been able to see a recruit face to face. That's got to be stressful for his end, you know. Um, but I uh, I did want to get you guys thoughts on the college football playoff because they did announce the top four since all the conference championships have uh, taken place. And uh, they came out with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Now, I personally thought that a team that didn't have even play as many games as everybody else probably shouldn't be allowed in, but the playoff committee did not see it that way. I imagine their argument is we're just looking at the best teams, and we thought that Ohio State was one of the best teams looking at their body of work or whatever they call it. But uh, I don't know. I just, I, I just. All the eye test. Exactly. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like not that I would lobby for Texas A&M in any way. Uh, I could care less if they make it. I thought they were more deserving. You know, I'm not going to be one of those SEC chess thumpers with them because I just, you know, there's just been a good rivalry building up and I just, I would never uh, lobby for A&M. Although I, I feel like they would be good. I, I, I don't feel like they would, win it all but i feel like they deserve a chance you know um i think jimbo's finally at a point where they're you know he's maybe kind of earning his money <laughs> but it, it you know it just i i don't know in this year like are, is a&m really the fourth best team i don't know so i i feel like they got the probably the first two right i don't know about ohio state and notre dame though um considering clemson just kind of kind of took care of them, you know, handily in the ACC championship game. Uh, and I really don't want to see him play again, you know, for a third time. So, uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about the top four? Obviously, you know, you'll probably agree with Alabama and Clemson, but, um, you know, what about three and four? Where, where do you guys stand? Daniel, you want, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'll go. Uh, so, like like you said, Bama and Clemson are pretty much obvious shoe-ins for one and two, at least in my eyes. And if I had to cast a, a ballot, I would have agreed with Ohio State at three and put Cincinnati in at four. Uh, just because uh, I think I mentioned this before, like if any year was the year to put in the group of five team, now would be the one to do it. Cincinnati, they're a top team already. They're undefeated. So who's beating them? Nobody. Let them see if an actual like top contender can beat them. And they're a conference champion, which the committee supposedly says is an important consideration to them. But like we saw Notre Dame get in, they're not a conference champion. And we've seen Notre Dame get blown out in the playoff before. So why not just throw them a bone, put them in there. And if they get rocked by Alabama, then so be it. Uh, but I think it will be fun at least to watch because at this point they've pretty much established the precedent that no group of five team will ever get in the playoff unless just some insanity happens Uh, because this year with two undefeated teams and everything else going on, they both got shunted away, way down the Mm -hmm. list and nothing else has really changed them on the powers, but I don't think they did a terrible job at least politically and Alabama will probably win. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I actually, I, I, I kind of agree with you on uh, that, you know, Cincinnati should be in, but I actually, given what we have now, the only, I think the only one I would flip and put Cincinnati in is Ohio state. And it's not because I think Cincinnati's better than Ohio state, but I think that the big, I think that the big 10 and by name and then by, you know, by association, Ohio state should be punished for their, for, for the way they conducted their season. You don't get to, you know, they canceled their season. They said we're not playing by any means. <laughs> exactly. And then and then they said, oh wait, hold on. 
we like the money we make from showing Ohio State on TV from and, and doing college game day with Ohio State. So we're going to play. And then they said, but we're going to be really safe about it. And uh, and da 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 da. And everybody can't, you know, we're gonna we're gonna cancel games and all this stuff. But and then we're gonna set up rules though, where uh, you have to have, you know, X number wins. Well, then their golden boy, that was the only one that would ha- that would really have a chance of making the playoff. And and mind you, the Big Ten has a big interest in making and having a team in the playoff. It's not that they love Ohio State because they love the Buckeye. It's because Ohio State's the only team that really is like the marquee power that can make the playoff. I don't really? care if Indiana, Indiana is like what? What were they like seven and one or eight and one? Indiana also got snubbed from the New Year's Six Bowl. Oh, they did. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't even care about that. I think that they got you know Ohio. They just put Ohio State into the into the into the, uh, the championship. Gifted. They gifted, gifted it to him. And so, yeah, I, I if I was the committee. I would have said, no, it's just disqualifying. We're not going to put you in there. Yeah, you might be the best team. Sorry, Justin Fields. You might be <laughs> the best or second best quarterback in college football, but that's no. Uh, so, yeah, I'd put Cincinnati in. I think Notre Dame, I think that I kind of following what you said, Daniel, about the group of five. If this is the, if, if there's any year to put a group of five team in, it was this year. I think also if there's any year to put Notre Dame in, it's this year because. You know, and, and the other thing is that, and they've done, they've done this before. Like they put Washington in, remember when they put Washington in because the PAC 12 people just whined and complained and, oh, we, we deserve to be in and they got shut out and it was an embarrassment. Um, and you haven't really heard from the PAC 12 since. <laughs> and so, and then last, and last year, a lot of people, I saw, I saw you write Oklahoma on your thing. Yeah. I was going to allude to that. You know, a lot of people last year, they put Oklahoma in and I mean, we all know what happened in Oklahoma. I think that kind of, in the eyes of the committee, that says, "Well, um, let's let's try somebody else. We want to we want to create a good game." And so, you know, after Oklahoma's performance last year, you know, things probably haven't changed that much. We're going to keep we're going to keep the Big Twelve out. Um, I think that's a bad precedent. If you're talking about you know previous accomplishments, you talked about Washington, you talked about Oklahoma. And one caveat that I had written down here is uh, Daniel. You might know this. Who was ULL's only loss to? Was it to Coastal Carolina? Yeah, they lost to Coastal Carolina. Right, they actually so beat Iowa State by 17, and ex- Iowa State finished like number seven, I think, in the rankings. They played so. for the conference championship, and that's actually the point that I was going to drive home is Oklahoma, I thought it looked pretty decent on the back end, and I talked to somebody else who thought that maybe they should have been deserving of one of these uh, playoff spots, even with two losses. And if you look at the body of work that ULL had, they beat Iowa State who played for a conference championship and coastal Carolina, who is undefeated beat ULL and with less than what 60 hours found BYU who was nationally ranked at the time and was maybe in the talks of playing in one of these playoff spots and beat them on national TV. You know, I know it's a, a, not a sexy pick, but I mean, coastal Carolina to me is one of my most favorite teams this year. And why not give them a shot? I don't care if they're in the Sun Belt. They're 11 and 0. They Amen. beat Kansas. I know Kansas was atrocious this year, but they beat ULL, who beat an Iowa State team who was less than a touchdown away and a couple bad calls from one in the Big 12. Why not Coastal? Do you do you like Coastal better than Cincy? Absolutely. You do? Yeah. Yep. I think I mean I, I don't have a problem with either. I think that I would I would have liked to see either team in there. I, mean, I put them I put them both, I put either of them above Ohio State just by the nature of now you don't get to just you don't get to just say like, okay, we're here. We're going to play now. So like Scott said, you know, maybe it's the most, is it deserving or is it the best teams? Um, <laughs> how can you say that Coastal is not deserving 
with an 11-0 record with the wins that they've had, you know, you know, uh, the, the wins that they've had, you know, like I said, ULL and Iowa State versus a 6-0 Ohio State team who was basically gifted a spot in the playoffs. They have, they don't have the attrition that Alabama has. They're not going to be nearly as tired as they have. You know, Alabama just lost their starting center. That could have a huge impact on their national championship aspirations. They lost their, they lost their number two receiver. Yeah, was it Waddle? Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, how is that fair for the rest of these teams that have been playing the entire season? So, like I said, I don't think that Coastal is a sexy pick. No, there's no shot that they probably beat Ohio State in a you know one v one matchup. But do they deserve to be in the the, the, the discussion? Absolutely. Yeah, in my opinion. And, and I also, think, I think they have at least have a chance of beating Notre Dame. Like you know, they, they might not be Alabama or or Clemson, but it'd be. I think that could. I think they'd be competitive with with Notre Dame. And then also, it's the concern of whether it's the teams that have been the best all season or the teams that are the best at the very end, like oh, the yeah. moment before they announce the playoff. Because if that's the case, and you even look at a team like Georgia, who's actually looked like really good with JT Daniels, like now yeah. that they actually have a quarterback, Scott, you might want them in there. Uh, but it's like, although they have two losses, you can't really consider them. And even like Oklahoma has been looking so good at the end of the season, Absolutely. they have a conference champion, uh, conference championship, but maybe they didn't have the whole body of work. They already have two losses. So it's a tough decision for anybody. Regardless, it's hilarious for me just to see everybody. I've seen, I've seen so many people say this. Just be like, oh, bring back the BCS. This is what we need to do. That's essentially what this is, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it is. It's like, you know, oh, this person was left out. Uh, uh, uh. So I don't All know. Right. Com- computer versus man. Like it's yeah. going to go back and forth until we, none of us are satisfied until we, until we merge with the computers. Right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we, uh, we, we ran through it. Yeah. We may need to wrap it up. I did want to ask Stuart one more question though. Just, it was, it was, a, it touches on the recruiting. Uh, I didn't get to it earlier, but, uh, I'll make it my last, last question. You guys can ask something obviously if you want to, but so for coach O, for the guys that haven't left yet, opted out that aren't in the transfer portal already, but you know, you can see them as vital for next year, like Derek Stingley or Jabril Cox, Neil Farrell, who already, you know, flirted on social media about staying or going. It's like, what, what is your pitch to them? Like, what would you say to those guys? I know that it's, you know, it's different in high school, but there's not a transfer portal yet, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, who knows what'll happen soon. But you know, it's like, if you know, these guys can come and go at will, um, and I, I, Jabril, Jabril Cox, it's more or less, he's just going to go pro or not. Um, you know, like what would you say to these guys to try and recruit them seeing as how they could kind of, you know, be the good foundation of a, of a defense for next year? Um, <laughs> I think that I'm cut from a different cloth personally, uh, for me, and this is, you know, maybe not how everybody would feel because I know those are some really good players and you would like to keep them, but, um, you've already recruited them once. Why would I try to keep somebody who potentially doesn't want to stay or be a part of the program? I would, I personally, I would just move on and, and try to fill their spots with somebody else. No, you absolutely cannot replace Derek Stanley. I know he's going to be, you know, once in a you know, generational type guy like Pat P, but, to me, if you're having to re-recruit guys that you've already recruited, I think that sets a bad precedent. I, like I said, I, I personally would move on from those guys, but that's just me. That's just me. Yeah, well, I can agree with that. I think it's also, uh, you know, if they're wavering, maybe you could do it. But like he was, he was able to recruit, re-recruit some guys. But yeah, it's like what sometime he said, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. It's like if if you don't want to be here, just go. Absolutely. There's obviously plenty of guys that want to come in and, you know, this early signing day just proved it. So, 
I just didn't know. It's like if I guess it just depends where their hearts are at. It's like yeah, if, I think I think we had kind of talked about this before we had started the podcast. I mean, if you looked at the last couple of weeks, LSU has played with essentially a depleted roster with a lot of sophomores and a lot of freshmen. And and from what I've seen, it's been a completely different team. I think if you know I like that team better. Absolutely. I think if you play with this team throughout the entire year, yeah, you may still have some bad losses, but I think that you have a completely different record. I think that people are a lot more excited about this LSU team knowing what they know. You know, you're again, you're playing with guys you didn't expect to um, rely on. I mean, the Butte kid was fabulous this year. I thought uh, number two was it McLaughlin. McLaughlin, yeah, yeah, he looks he good. He didn't start. Um, I think it was in the Florida game. He was inserted into a role, and I was very pleased with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was matched up with Tony, yeah. who I think is maybe one of the most electric players in the in the league. And I thought he did a wonderful job for the most part. So, uh, you know. I like what I, I see from him, too. Absolutely. I would prefer to play with guys that want to be there. That's I, just me. I agree with you. I do think that there is some there's there is something like the best example, again, 50 feet away, uh, Richard Lawrence, being able to pull him and say, come on, like come come home for your senior year. Let's get your education squared away. Let's get you, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll make you a we'll make you a a a true we'll groom you. Let's let's put the bow on your on your career, make you into that NFL talent. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but there's got to be mutual want to in there. It's I, I agree. I think I think what you're kind of alluding to is more of like basically, and this is happened. This is this happens a lot more now. It's another recruit. It's like recruiting all over again. Right. Where it's you know you're you're giving the the speech to the parents again about how I'm going to do this, and it's like, well, you're a junior. Why are you? Why am I even? Or you're a sophomore. Why am I even do this to you again? But I do think that, and that's something that that's what we've talked about it time and time again. It's a theme in this podcast. What separates LSU from Ohio State? LSU. I mean. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, the, the three top-tier programs that we kind of thought we were in after last year were evidently not. This, the separation is Alabama can, can get uh, Devontae Smith and Dylan Moses to say, okay, I'll come back for senior year. And you get the, the – and Patrick Sertan as well. Wasn't he, wasn't he draft eligible last year or draft eligible sophomore? Um, you, get, you, you get them to be able to, to stay – and give it another year, and that that's really what separates you. I mean, Coach O said it. I spoke to Coach O personally when I got the tour of the um, the football ops center. I asked him about Richard Lawrence, and I basically said, you know, hey, thanks for put, pumping him up because he talked about him all the time. He said Richard Lawrence staying was the was like the first domino that 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 set off this this national championship season, and we need more of those. I hope we can get them. Mm-hmm. Daniel, you got any uh, any last questions? Uh, no, I think y'all y'all hit it all pretty well. I think we covered a lot of topics this week and yeah. got a lot of good analysis. And, and thanks to Stuart for coming on. Really enjoyed what he had to say. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, indeed. Thank you, Stuart. Um, go ahead. I said I really enjoyed my time here. Like you say, this this flew by. Uh, <laughs> it went by way faster than I anticipated. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I mean, LSU didn't have any more games. Nothing to talk about moving forward, I guess, except for you know, for more recruiting news, coaching hires. Uh, we're obviously going to have to look for that uh, the next week or two or three. Uh, again, I still think it bodes well for LSU because you know they don't have to worry about a bowl game. You know, they can just kind of reset and and just not worry about too many things at once because LSU kind of does need to uh, to kind of find itself, you know, offensively, defensively, because we're going to bring it in be bringing in new people uh, and 
I, I don't know. It's uh, I think just after this year, I think we're lucky to be at five and five. And I am happy with that. Didn't think I'd be saying that at the beginning of the year, but I'm happy to be at five and five and uh, looking forward to see who they bring in to coach the offense and defense. And other than that, you know, I guess we can just look forward to some uh, some of the other bowl games and uh, college football playoffs, whether or not we agree with the matchups or not. Uh, but um, until next week, we will uh, we will see what happens and how these other dominoes fall. So until then, stay safe, stay tuned. Have a good and Merry Christmas to all and to all a good week. And we'll talk to you next time on Talking Takes.